Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Salut, Nadine. I know. I figured that's what it was going to be. I yeah. feel like you've already done that. <laughs> I didn't know. Well, one, they don't specify what country it is. So, like, I don't know what. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. Like, like what, what Middle Eastern language, language it middle, was. Yeah. So, salut. Salut. Salut, it is. Salut. Okay, Mita, we've got a lot going on today. We oui, beaucoup de to- <laughs> um, Yes, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot about. of stuff to talk about. So, so just to let things. our listeners know, today is going to be structured slightly differently. We usually try to make it so that we do 10 minutes of small talk and then dive into our review and then leave about 10 minutes at the end. So that's how we'd like to structure it for an hour-long episode. However, today we are going to have a little bit of small talk and then Mita and I both had homework and then we are going to devote a little extra time to talking about our homework, which was to watch the Bollywood movie NH10. And then we're going to go into Ansanzi, which was our movie review for this week. So this is going to be longer than an hour and a half. So get ready, but it'll be good. I promise. You think more than an hour and a half? Oh, It'll be more than an hour, not more than an hour. <laughs> yeah, and I was half. like, I don't, thank you for, I don't thank you for have that much to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be more than an hour, probably not more than an hour and a half. Who knows? Just to clarify. You'll see when you're looking at this on whatever podcast platform you're looking at. Exactly. To. You know already. Mita and I don't know because we're talking about it. Yeah. It's all very circular. There but Mita. Yes. How are you? I am, let me check one. Living and breathing. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Imagine you weren't either right now. Yeah. I mean, I, it is spooky I, season. But like, would we know if we're dead? Interesting, <laughs> right? Let's ask Bruce Willis. <laughs> I love. No, I won't say what movie. Just in case there's a just in case, alert. yeah. <laughs> but go watch every Bruce Willis movie if you don't know which one we're talking and about. Try to figure it out. <laughs> try to figure it out. Yeah. Mita, before yeah. we get into homework, talk <laughs> to me about your movie going experience this week. Yes. So Mita, the movies. She's back. She's back. Yeah. Or did I go last week? I can't even remember. It's been a while no, since we last la- recorded. We stretched it. Yeah, we're we're a little <laughs> later in our recording schedule. Today is actually October 21st, which yeah. is the day before Dune premieres. Da-da-da-da. And actually, Dune shows have actually already started officially. Yeah. Uh, but tomorrow is Dune Day, is what mm-hmm. we're going to call it. We typically record on a Monday. Now we're at Thursday. But last week, you were meant to see No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. And then you yes. didn't. Because yes. of the restrictions changing here in Ontario. Correct. But what have you done since? So on Saturday, um, I went and saw Halloween Kills. The, okay. You the, didn't tell me this. I feel like you lied to me. I did about something, but not about this. And I'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> There's a little shock okay. in your face. <laughs> Um, but I, I know I told you about you, so I should show like our text messages because <laughs> I did tell you I was going to go see Halloween Kills. That's true. So on Saturday, I went and saw Halloween Kills. I went at like a 12 o'clock show on a Saturday afternoon. So like okay. not busy at all. Maybe like 10 people in the theater. Okay. So felt good about it. The movie, not so much. <laughs> yeah. I heard the movie's actually quite not good. I really enjoyed like the 2018 Halloween. I felt yeah. like it 
reprised that original film and then still had something new to say and went in a really cool direction. And then this just like blew that all to pieces. This was just like a classic like sequel to a horror movie. Yeah. Let's get as gory as we possibly can. And there is a specific message that they're trying to convey, but they're not hitting it. It's just, it's, it wasn't good. And I'm very disappointed. But I will watch, I think the third one is going to be called Halloween Ends. Oh, God. I, I will who, watch it. But who cares anymore is the question. I think there are people, like, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. I think she's great. Sure. And I think there are, like, diehard fans of the Halloween films, and they watch every single one, and they love seeing Lori and what she goes through, and so they want to continue that into the next one. And I, you know, it's not so much that I love the characters of this movie. I just want to know, like, what's going to happen, or what are they mm-hmm. going to do? And I, I want that element of surprise. But this one was like, it was not great. Even with Kyle Richards from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, it did not live up to the stature of Halloween 2018. I have things to say about this, but that'll bleed better into when we talk about NH10. Okay, fair. But, I'm not done, though. Oh, yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Um, So I lied to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> On Sunday, yes. I went and saw No Time to Die. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. so it was back to back for you. It was two days in a row. Okay, talk to me. I had to... So, <laughs> The reason why I lied to Nadim yes. was on Sunday morning, I was pressuring him to tell me what we should post on our Instagram page. Yes. Because if you didn't know, on Fridays and Sundays, we always post a little like movie of the day yep. for people to kind of take a look at. And this whole month of October, no, this is airing in November, I just realized. Well, yes. the whole We're month of October. currently in October, yes. Yes. So if you go back and look at all of October, we've been um, counting down our spooky season picks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I do those Instagram posts, I usually have to like dog down and theme and be like, what do you want to say? Which one are we doing? And so it's like, I need you to figure this out because I'm going to be, um, I'm, I'm not going to be available for like three hours today. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I lied. So <laughs> I said I was going to a prayer ceremony. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I lied and I said that instead I went and saw James Bond's No Time to Die. Kissa, how was it? I actually really enjoyed it. I okay. liked it a lot. I, I knew I would though because I do love a Bond movie. Yeah. And based on Daniel Craig's like the order of his films, I knew this one would be okay because like okay. Casino Royale is really good. Yep. Quantum of Solace sucks. Yeah. Skyfall is really good. Yeah. Spectre sucks. Yeah. So No Time to Die is good. meant to be good. There you go. But no, I think it was a really nice tribute to him. And this is mm-hmm. going to be his last time playing this character. This song, yeah. Yeah. And so it was really, really nice. I'm not going to spoil anything. No, it's um, quite fresh. But it was fresh. It was different, but the same. Okay. Uh, and there's definitely some like elements you could tell like, oh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge wrote that. Like you can tell like she put oh, herself okay, into yeah. it. Um, and I thought it was pretty cohesive considering that like they had some issues with like having a director for this film and some mm-hmm. last minute replacements and so it, it was good i enjoyed it it does what a bond movie does it is too long <laughs> as all bond movies i'm um, sorry as all bond movies are this one is exceptionally long it's two hours and 45 minutes so that is why i literally i was like oh it's that long like i'm not gonna get out of this theater until three o'clock no you need to be able to justify that length yeah and i don't know if that is justified <laughs> Mm, except fair. for the fact that this is his last one but i don't think that's justification enough does so. it feel like his last one like does it feel like goodbye daniel craig yes okay 
And that's all. So that's a concerted effort. That's fair. Yeah. And honestly, it's kind of nice, though, because I feel like with the previous Bonds, they never did that. It was sort of like up in the air. But this, like, these five films, one, two, three, four, five five films feel like... Daniel Craig's Bond. Yes, exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what they do next. Okay. We won't go into too much detail because it is fresh. But to let our listeners know, at our next episode for next week, which is second week of November, mm-hmm. Meet and I will briefly talk about Dune because we would have both seen it by then. We're going tomorrow? Oh, I'm going tomorrow. I don't know going tomorrow. Going. I'm going on Monday. Oh, okay. So, Did yeah. you buy your ticket? No. we just. I had to figure out babysitting with my parents and everything. Oh, like, okay. so, but that's decided. I'm going to take the day off. We're going to go in the afternoon. <laughs> take the day yeah, I told my manager and everything, and he was like, absolutely, go ahead. <laughs> I love that very cool for you. about it. Yeah, I was yeah. really excited. But Mita, let's talk about thing one before we get to thing two. Okay. So this week we had some homework. Mm-hmm. Just to remind our listeners, last episode I came in and I told Mita that I feel like I actually picked the wrong movie for Spooky Season. I had picked uh, Goodnight Mommy from Austria, uh, which was a German language horror film, which I'm a big fan of. But when I think about movies to die before the end of the world, I don't know if it's like a you gotta see this. This changes things in the horror genre. It's something different. Because especially with horror, we have not seen anything different. Mm-hmm. Or relevant or important. It, it's very, very scarce. Despite the fact that there is a lot of horror that comes out. And I had kind of an epiphany where I thought, I realized that I had put in the wrong movie. And there was a Bollywood movie that came out in 2013. I think so. 2015? 2015, yes. That came out in 2015 uh, from India called NH10. Uh, was uh, Bollywood star Anushka Sharma's producing debut, and she started it as well. And it is essentially about a young couple who go on a road trip only to, be, to, to run into some rural people who decide to chase them down and try to kill them. And it is essentially a take on a slasher film. And when I remembered this, I realized this is actually a movie I think you should watch in Halloween because I feel like it circumvents everything horror has become. It actually has things to say. It's relevant. It's important. And it is entertaining. And above all, this movie, when I first saw it years ago, let me tell you the story. My wife and I started watching this. Uh, So to give some context, this movie is about... A this movie starts off with a couple going to a party. The woman leaves the party because she has to go to work. Uh, they live in Delhi, and at the time, Delhi was having an extreme problem with sexual violence. And many of these unfortunate gang rapes that had taken place were in Delhi and the surrounding suburbs, and they live there. And this woman is driving home, and she is in. She is going to be raped. Is what how you feel? She escapes from this attack. Her husband feels guilty about it, and they kind of get past it. They decide to go on a vacation. They come across a family doing an honor killing. When this family essentially realizes this young couple is following them, it turns into a slasher film from there. And then things kind of escalate, and they get interesting. She finds their village. The head of the village who pushed the, the hit is actually the girl's mother, there's a lot of things about misogyny, about, you know, sexism and toxic, toxic masculinity. This movie talks about a lot of things. But I remember when I watched this for the first time with my wife, we get to the part where they discover that this is an honor and killing. The anxiety was so high. My wife, I asked me to stop the movie 
and said, I can't watch this anymore, it's too much, and left the room. And I remember sitting there in, like, palpitations, feeling like this is, this is, it, it is not hard to watch, but you feel anxious watching this. Mm-hmm. And not a single movie I've seen in a long time has done that. So this is, in my opinion, a must-watch for horror fans. And you don't know it exists. And so I really regret not picking that. So, that was why I wanted you to watch it. Now I want to hear your thoughts. I agree with your wife that it was really, like, difficult to watch. And there are some jarring scenes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This starts off really interesting. It starts off like your typical horror movie that you would see, like, in the 90s. Like, Mm -hmm. more popcorn. It's a wife and uh, her husband, like, having banter with one another. And you don't really know where it's going to go. And it felt more like a thriller. Yeah. And I was I was really in. I was like, oh, okay, like this is like a fun ride. Like let's let's yeah. do this. It has that then, weird like jazz song over the credits, and you're like, okay, what am I watching here? <laughs> yeah, like what's gonna happen? And then yeah. she has this accident in the car, and you're like, oh, like is this where it's gonna start? Is this what's happening? But it's not because she like is able to get through it. You see her at work and dealing, you know, with men just being assholes. You see her getting ready for this trip that they're about to take. And then you see them at the Dubba. And for those who don't know, that's like a a rest stop for in India. Like you would go. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see the pinky and her, her boyfriend being chased down by her brother and this like group of men. And then then I was like, where is this going? Like, what is happening here? What is like Mm -hmm. the point of this? And I, when they were driving, when her and her husband were driving along the highway and they decide, the husband decides husband to go decides. follow the dude. I was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like where it's going. I don't like what's going to happen. I'm not, I'm not into this. And as it continued the whole time, I'm like, I don't like this. I just don't like it. I don't like it. Oh, I don't want to keep watching this. Why is Nidhi making me watch this? This is not nice. This is not fun. This isn't the kind of horror that I want. It is actually so terrifying. It's terrifying. And it brings out all these emotions that, like, I'm so- I'm sorry. Like, I don't want to confront that when I'm watching a movie. <laughs> I, you can put CNN all, on all day and play that on repeat, any kind of news channel. That those That's what invokes in me, like all those, like the feelings of, I'm going to cry thinking about it. Like It's, it's a, a hard lot. movie to watch. It it's, is really quite something. Yeah. It's extremely jarring and it doesn't get better. There's no, no solace. There's no humor in this. There's nothing uplifting. <laughs> And the entire time I was just like, why did he pick this? Like, does he enjoy watching things like this? Like, where does this come from? And I, I understand your point of like, this is what a true horror film would be. But at the same time, like, I think there does need to be a piece of entertainment. And mm-hmm. this was just so, because one, this is, it, it is happening every day. Mm-hmm. Maybe not where we are, but it is happening around the world every In single India day. In India, especially, it is. Ha- this is. These are all things that are happening, mm-hmm. and it is extremely hard to digest. And it's not something that I would say like, "Go watch this for a fun, fun ride." <laughs> or even if you're not like, if you're unaware of like what's going on in the world, I would say don't because this is so jarring that you'll just like be in a state of shock of what you're seeing and what you're witnessing. Because the the big reveal in the movie is that. She goes and finds this woman who's like this 
head of the village, essentially. And she thinks, oh, great. It's the chief of the village. It's a woman. She's going to understand that these people are after me, that they've killed my husband, that I'm in danger and I need her help. She'll be there to help me. And then we find out that, like, well, no, she's the one that's responsible for everything that's happening to you right now because she's the mother of the person who's chasing you down. And she said, go and kill my daughter because she hangs out with the wrong kind of people and she goes out too much. And it's so terrifying the theme like i don't like like, how am i gonna talk about this with him i i didn't like it i really couldn't sit there it was just so hard and i was really mad at you by the end can i just say i'm i'm sorry for how this is gonna come out but i'm so happy that that's how it made you feel because i think that's the whole i think when we talk about horror and like we're out of spooky season now fine but when we talk about horror we talk about fear and legitimate fear and what that fear is. And I think there are a few things that actually make you fear. This, I think, I agree, it almost hits too close to home. Yeah. Like, the reality of this, of this movie, gang rapes were happening, are still happening in India. Mm-hmm. Misogyny is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, female violence, honor killings. Like, there's so these are all realities that still women and men, even in India, face. Like, it's quite frightening. And to have them all kind of thrown at you in this way, it is... It is a lot to experience. Yeah. That said, this movie does so much right. You're not comfortable with it. You don't like it. And that's fine. But everything this movie does is what horror should be doing. Yeah. This is not what you expect it to be. This takes a real issue and turns it into your worst nightmare. Like, this is a frightening movie to watch because... Because it could happen to someone. And this has happened to someone. But do you not feel like it's too realistic? Like, I think, when I think of horror, I also think of camp. Like, I think about having fun with it and not having, like, at least there needs to be some levity. Because, like, even when, like, I watch something like Rosemary's Baby, which I know is your favorite. I love Rosemary. I I can still digest everything that's happening to her, even though I'm seeing the gaslighting happen. I'm seeing all these bad things. But there's still this, like, element of... like, I feel like NH10 is just so dirty and so gritty that it really, like, gets into your skin. And it's it's so hard to watch. But again, it's interesting because all those things you say that are, like, turnoffs to you, I love it about this film. I don't think you've seen a movie. I don't think, especially fans of horror are very specific. They love horror movies. But the problem with horror is we haven't seen anything different. We don't see anything interesting. We don't see anything that is, like unique and like halloween is that's what i wanted to get to is the point of like we're making sequels of things and ideas and worlds that we've existed in and seen but to what end like what are these movies trying to say what are they trying to talk about what is the even appeal of seeing them and i get that like from your perspective you like the halloween world and you like jamie lee curtis so that's where you saw it but you still expect quality you're you you like it's not like you left it it i expect a good story and i yeah exactly and like I think the fact that this made you uncomfortable at age 10 and you didn't like it is actually, to be quite honest, it's a success for the movie. Like, I think the movie itself accomplishes what it's trying to do. I walked away from that, though, going, I never want to watch that again. <laughs> is that success for a movie? But and, like, you're, you're right, someone literally asked... walked away in the middle of the movie. Is that success? Is that great success? <laughs> I don't know, right? Isn't that an interesting conversation to have? Like, what... what... This movie is trying to say things. 
Mm-hmm. This is a this is a movie directed by a man, produced by a woman who was who has been sexualized and like has dealt with the misogyny of like the Hindi film industry. And this is the first movie she decides to like bring to the screen with her star power. That is saying something. That is saying something about her. It's saying something about the movie. And the movie's trying to say something about society. I just think those are all things. And I think the one question I want to ask you is yeah. if someone asked you, a horror fan, a non-Hindi or like Indian person was just like, I hear this horror movie is good. Have you seen it? Would you recommend it? Hmm. Because I don't think you can say no. That's my guess. You, I I'm, can't I'm not say speaking yes for you. either. So. Yeah, exactly. And that's the trick is that like, you can't say no because you can't say yes because it did make you feel how it is. But at the end of the day, you also know it succeeds in so many ways. It succeeds almost too much might be the problem. It's too real. Yes, that is the problem with it. And that it can resonate with so many people. And I think being a woman makes a difference because... Sure. You, yeah. Like like you said, your wife literally walked out of it because it is too literal and you could imagine those things happening. And they do every day. And I, I don't know. I... Li- I at one point I started to fast forward a bit because like I knew that's just a song playing and her like walking I'm like I can't even watch this woman walk on the screen anymore because I'm just too (laughs) like it's too too much and it never stopped it just kept going and going and I kept thinking like where is there gonna be like isn't her catharsis at the end earned then sorry like that her end scene that happens isn't it like when you get to those it's scenes, earned, in so many... but I didn't enjoy watching the journey. <laughs> like I didn't like from point A to point Z. Like I did not like what happened throughout it. So as the viewer, I'm like, okay, yeah, like go ahead and like swing that bat round and round. But I don't care because this was too much for me. I'm too removed from it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It was too much. I don't know. Maybe this was not the time for me to watch this. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's fair. I'm actually glad, though. Like, I, w- I actually appreciate and totally, I'm actually happy with your response, if I'm being honest. If you had come and been like, no, this wasn't very good. It wasn't, I wasn't scared. It didn't make me anxious. I, like, that was my concern. You coming back and saying it was too much for me. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm sitting back and I'm just like, good. I feel like I've. And I will I, say, I, I have a to high tolerance to for pain. <laughs> like, I have a high tolerance <laughs> for these kinds of things. I literally, like. I have Dateline on in the background as I work throughout the day. And so I can hear about death. I can hear about these things. I'm not scared of it. This, the images in this movie and the message that's coming along, I'll say that's very effective because I do think that there, there isn't too much dialogue in this film. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a lot of action, but the action speaks volumes Mm -hmm. and that they done really effectively, maybe too effectively because your I was left almost in tears just from what I had seen. I was really just like, no, <laughs> please stop. So before we finish this off, I want to know her rating. Oh God, <laughs> I forgot about that part. Yeah. <laughs> you do yours first. I will. I, I, I honestly, if you are listening to this, I really regret not picking this as my, as a Holly, as a, my horror movie, because it I really, I, <laughs> you have to watch it regardless. I, to, I think yeah. this movie is really, it was really really worth your time there are so few horror movies especially that accomplish actually forget horror movies there are so few movies that accomplish the feelings and the that this does 
I'm not watching this. I'm, and I will give you this. It's not entertaining. Because no, you're not sitting not. there. Nothing about this movie from start to finish. Save for that first, like, six minutes of their, like, flirting with each other, this husband and wife, mm-hmm. is entertaining. Because when I remember when she's going driving and this, 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 like, motorcycle is, like, weaving in and out. And I'm like, is she going to get raped? Because that is in the realm of possibility for this movie. And so... The reality and how hard it hits you and how uncomfortable this movie makes you feel, it's not a fun watch. No. It gives you real anxiety, real fear, and it really does make you think. And what I applaud this movie for more than anything is that it takes a simple, boring storyline and turns it completely on its head. And, like, applies things that are relevant to society, that are relevant to the times, that are relevant to the people who are watching this, and makes the viewer watch that. That is, that is, that is really something. It is really something to watch this movie and be like, this is really what a horror movie should be like. Because this is actually, this is a real horror. The occult and all of those things and other slasher movies, they're fun, fine. But then... There's a whole conversation about making violence fun. And isn't this taking that back and showing how disgusting violence actually is? So for those kind of things, I give this a four star. So I feel the opposite (laughs) in that I don't think this is what horror should be. Because I think you can have real life ideas in a horror film. Like I think about when we watched Hereditary mm-hmm. and like those are real life things dealing with grief. And like, yes, they they sprinkle in the occult. I mean, there are people who believe that though. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a way to do that and to still tonally be entertaining and have some levity and not be a total drag the entire way. Like I would not I recommend this unless I know who you are as a person and I know what your pain tolerance is and like what kind of things in the world that you're used to seeing. Because anybody I know that I would typically suggest movies to, I wouldn't suggest this to them <laughs> because I don't think they could sit through it. It's also, it's it's almost two hours of this. Like it's pretty brutal. It's a lot to take in and it's very jarring. And while I agree like these messages are important because they need to be heard, I don't seek out films that tell me these stories in a fictional way, if that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. I would prefer to watch a documentary. I would prefer to watch the news because I feel like it's it's straightforward to me and I know that this is, like, the actual thing. Whereas Mm -hmm. it's different for whatever reason. It's different when you're watching people act these things out. And I'm trying to gather in my mind why, like, why is that so, why am I separating the two Mm -hmm. so much? And I don't know why yet. And I'm going to figure that out one day. But (laughs) but it is, I I would not (laughs) recommend this to anyone that I know right now. And I don't think I've ever met anybody who would be like, you would like this. I'm actually really surprised that, that you sat through it and like find it so rewarding as a film because I didn't get anything out of this that I was I walked away and I was like oh like I learned this today I will say I think what I find rewarding from it is as a filmmaker the originality and the the approach is really what I walk away about the like ingenuity of it I think as a viewer if I'm watching it for the entertainment value I give you that I will say one thing though I find it super interesting how you talk about this as a very uncomfortable film as a film you can't sit through But, and I agree with that, I think you and I and society in general are more likely to sit through torture porn, like Hostel, 
but not sit through something like this, which actually violence-wise is quite limited in terms of the physical violence you actually see. Mm-hmm. The images are jarring. There are some really scary images in this. But the violence and the gore and the blood value is actually quite limited. So we're able yeah. to sit through something like that and be okay with it, but this makes you uncomfortable. So what is that saying about us? I don't know. It's Well, for one thing, it's saying that we are empathetic people. Because, like, when you look at those gory films, you look at somebody, like, putting a broomstick in somebody's eyeball or something nasty like that, you know that that's not happening. And you can't imagine that happening to you. What happens to Anushka Sharma's character in this film, and I'm forgetting her name. What's her name in it? Mira? Is it Mira? 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 Yeah, maybe. Could happen to somebody, although I'm putting 100% of the blame on her husband. Like, that was just, like, why? Why? Why did you do that? But you know, but the thing is, Mita, you know why he does it. Because men are like that. Yeah, and it's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) He did not need to go after them. He did not need to get out of that car. Anyways. Um, you, what she goes through, you can feel it yourself as you're watching it. And I think it is really hard to live through those types of emotions and those things should be saved for therapy. So I will say that I'm going to give this two and a half stars right now because on, I can see your valid points of this is something different. This is not what you would see in a typical horror movie. But what I'm trying to balance right now is like, is this what we should be seeing in horror movies mm-hmm. though? Because it, it was just too real for me. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I find it really interesting because I feel like we're going to talk about another movie. Yep. <laughs> that may or may not be perceived as too real. Because our real review this week is, is for for incendie <laughs> yes so this week we watched a nadine movie our first movie of november we yep. watched denis villeneuve's incendie mita ah, do you oui. want to give us a quick imdb discro ah, oui, monsieur Siddiqui. the imdb discro for incendie is twins journey to the middle east to discover their family history and fulfill their mother's last wishes yes yeah that's it that's it. I mean, <laughs> Ricky, let's maybe explain a little bit more. Um, so we meet twins. Yep. What are their names again? <laughs> uh, Simone and Jean. Simone and Jean. Yeah. Um, and they are meeting with the, it's not their lawyer. It is actually, um, well, it is their mother's employer slash um, the power of attorney. Power of attorney. They're meeting with their mother. Their mother has just passed away. They're meeting with the power of attorney and he's going uh, over what the mother has asked for in her will. And mother said that she does not want to be um, cremated. She doesn't want to be buried. She just sort of wants to be laid out to rest naked with no sort of um, no gravestone, no proper burial service, nothing like that. And the twins are just like, no, like, that's crazy. Why would she ask that? And then the power of attorney also lets them know that the mother had an assignment for the two of them. One twin is meant to find um, their long lost brother. And the other twin is meant to find their father. And A strange uh, father. A strange father. Yes. And I'm sorry, Jean is meant Jean, to find. The hmm? father. The father. And Simone, Simone is meant to find, meant to find, find the brother. The brother. And so Jean sets out to the Middle East to go find her father. Um, and we follow her along 
And as we follow her along, we are also shown the mother's history and what she sort of went through in her life. And as these two siblings try to search for their father and their brother. Mm-hmm. 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 Big spoilers for this movie. I'm just going to say yeah. it. It's impossible to talk about this movie with the spoiler without the spoilers. But let me explain why I picked this movie and why you should watch it and then before we do the review. Because... Mm. This movie is, uh, I don't know if you know Mita, but uh, I like Denis Villeneuve as a director. Wait, what? Yeah, I know. Brand new information. Breaking news. Breaking news. (laughs) I'm a fan of Mr. Denis Villeneuve. I think some of his movies are okay. And I thought, (laughs) so this was actually meant to be the first movie on my list. And then it literally kept on moving week by week down because... Mm -hmm. When I just when I was picking my first movie, I was just like, I don't think this is impactful enough. I think for my first movie, I need something strong, so I picked Chinatown, and then I wanted to pick a Bollywood movie, and then I ended up picking a different foreign movie, and things kind of got moved. And then eventually, yeah. I was just like, you know, what's the right time to pick this movie is when Dune time comes out, because <laughs> then it will be relevant to the times because Denis Villeneuve has a big movie, and I think it's pertinent to talk about Insanzi because it's I would say the movie that really launched him. Because while he did make Polytechnique, which is, I think, his first feature language, feature film. Which we watched this season. Which so we watched. Back and listen. Exactly. We watched it uh, and reviewed it for this uh, season. Sorry, for this series. But Insanzi is, I think, the movie that really launched his career. Because it was after Insanzi he got Prisoners and Enemy and Arrival. And, like, things kind of just, Sicario, everything escalated from there. Okay. Because this was actually nominated for Best Foreign Picture back in 2011. Um, mm-hmm. It's a Canadian film. And so it was. I know people are always just like, why is a Canadian movie being nominated for Best Foreign Language? But this is largely, it, this is in French, sprinkled with some it's Arabic. It's French-Canadian. French-Canadian, yeah. Yeah. So I think for me, Denis Villeneuve being my current favorite director, I think it, I, I love his work. I don't think he's made a bad film. I think he's made average up. And I think... To understand where he goes and how he comes, and to understand the evolution of him as a filmmaker, I think you need to watch this. Also, like many foreign films, you don't realize how good they are until you watch them. Or you don't realize how interesting they are until you watch them. And this is just an example of that. So that's why I picked... Oh, Ansonzi means fire, by the way. Ansonzi. Yeah. But yes, so that's why I picked it. So, meets. Yes. Thoughts. Thoughts. Okay, it's interesting to me when you said that Denis Villeneuve has not made a bad film, and so far I agree with you on that. Good. Watching this, I could tell it was a Denis Villeneuve film. Uh Like, cinematography-wise, overall direction, looking at it, style, exactly. Everything, like, checks off those Denis boxes, except for one thing Uh that I feel was missing, and it kind of reflects how I also was feeling about NH10. So maybe I'm just like in a mood this week. Oh, maybe. Interesting. (laughs) Where is like the classic Denis humor? Like where are those small little moments of like just like a joke sprinkled in? Like I needed it was it it, this too was a lot (laughs) to take (laughs) in. Seriously? You put a lot on me this past week. (laughs) That's so interesting. I just felt like there... And it doesn't even need to be, like, a a break in the storyline to, like, 
you know, have a riot or something. Like it, just a little chuckle or somebody's saying something funny. And he usually has it in every film. There is some like levity to what is being presented to you. And in this, I just felt like the whole time it was just like, their mom is dead. She's going, <laughs> she's going to the Middle East. The mom went through hell. They're in the middle. Like there's just, it's nothing like, the only joy I got out of this was the power of attorney because he's just this like jolly old man and I enjoyed watching him. But even he like, there's no like, just like a little joke cracked, you know? Do you know what I Is mean? Is that seriously your complaint about this? this? It's not like a, it's just something I noticed. Like I felt like that was missing from that. I've noticed it in his other films. Like he does have those moments of levity. Like it's in Prisoners with like the little girls. It's in arrival it's in the first 10 minutes of prisoners because everything yeah. goes south real quickly in prisoners but you can't, you needed that you needed that heart and that's kind of how i felt with this walking away is like i think this is a beautifully presented film it's a be- it's a really it's not i'm <laughs> where are the words today it's a new story for me. I haven't heard this story before. Okay. okay? And I haven't had it presented to me before. Yeah. And I appreciate all that. And he does a great job with telling the story. But I needed some heart to this film. I felt like that heart piece was lacking. I didn't, you know, interact with these characters well enough for me to be like, I do want to see what Jean finds out, you know, or I felt like, especially with the mother character, we are watching all these things happening to her, but we don't really know her. We just know what the twins know of her. And for quite, I kept relating to Simon for some reason because he was just pissed about everything. And so I was left with this sort of like tone of just being like, oh, this woman, like she didn't tell any of this stuff to her kids. Like, why should I care that this is what was happening? I didn't have that emotional attachment that you typically do with his movies. Like I think about Arrival and how much I care about Amy Adams' character in that movie and what's happening. And I want to figure this out with her. I'm like in it with her. I'm like, we're going to get through these aliens. But you don't have that here. And I felt like it was missing. Did you watch this before or after NH10? Before. Okay, so then you, you watched this and then NH10. Then you made me watch NH10. <laughs> and I was like, why is Nadim so heartless? Why? <laughs> interesting Mm -hmm. that's not what i i always try to predict what you're going to say or what your reaction is going to be yeah i did not think with a you know in a 10 mile radius that that was where you would that's what you would like fall on like that would be the kind of thing where you were just like let's focus on this i just (laughs) i'm i'm a little surprised i gotta say because i think i don't actually think denny's films have that much levity i think there is Levity built into some places. I think the levity in Prisoners, for instance, is there to show the break, to show, you know, how the normalcy and the happiness in these people's lives, and then Mm -hmm. the, like, shit that results after the girls are kidnapped. Yeah. The heart of Arrival is Amy Adams' relationship with her daughter Mm -hmm. and with, um, what's his name? Jeremy Renner. <laughs> Jeremy Renner, thank you. That's that's where that we comes from. We always forget Jeremy. Always forget Renner. Jeremy Renner, man. He's so forgettable. But generally speaking, his movies are not like the levity is is like it is the it is very very even in like something like 
Blade Runner 2049 because I saw I have a friend I was talking about this with just recently and he I love Blade Runner and he thinks it's just too dour of a movie. He thinks it's way too serious of a film for a movie that is essentially about like the future and robots and he thinks it's like just way too serious of a film and that it also needs some levity to it or that it needs a little bit more self-awareness to it but that Denis gets away with it because his direction is so skilled that like if any other director were to attempt what he was doing it Mm -hmm. would it would fail but Denis knows how to make a skilled film and so you kind of forgive it even if you miss it but I think maybe that uh, that's what me as a human being is taking away from these movies. Mm-hmm. Like, because I don't think that Blade Runner 2049 is like too much of a downer. Like, I think Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford have so much charm as actors that you can oh. seek those things out. You can seek it out. Even like when he's interacting with the Ana de Armas character, it's it there's there's that like lovely kind of like oh he's like in love with this like this robot like it's kind of cute, and like you can I think maybe I'm just that kind of a person that I pick it out in movies mm-hmm. and that's what I hold on to and that's what resonates with me, but I I just couldn't find anything in here that I really like was able to sympathize with, and I I felt like especially this whole the whole movie is telling us the story of this mother. Mm-hmm. She's the woman who sings. And I couldn't find any connection with her. Like, I mm-hmm. couldn't relate on any way of what she was going through. And yes, it's harrowing and, and it's a lot. And I, I wouldn't want to go through that myself. But we're learning all of this as her child is learning all of this. But that mm-hmm. I feel like the movie, and maybe this is in the writing, is like her child is learning all this. Her child has these 18 years of memories of their parent, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to know that. I don't know enough of that as the viewer mm-hmm. to be able to have that emotion of like she's learning what terrible things her mother went through. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I actually find it very interesting that you pinpoint the writing because he I actually have a, <laughs> well, A, he didn't write it, but yeah. B, I have a very, I have actually a different opinion than I think what I like I, I've been saying about this film. Mm-hmm. I've talked about this with some friends before, some filmmaking friends. And I think that what Denny generally does and is very skilled at doing is actually taking weak screenplays and turning them into good movies. Mm. And I think Incendie is an example of that. Okay. I actually think the script is quite weak. I think there are things about the screenplay that are jarring and they're confusing. And I actually think that it's not, I think on paper, it doesn't work as well as it does on film. Because I think how Denis directs is really what elevates it. I actually think Prisoners is an example of a average really so written film. Yeah. yeah, that is elevated by incredible direction. Yeah. That movie is like it can be it could have been a lifetime movie or some like Netflix movie that was forgettable. Netflix, yeah. But somehow he managed to cast some incredible mm-hmm. perf- perfect actors in it and then turn it around into something. It's one of the reasons I really like him is that because it proves his skill. Now, I need to talk about the end. Okay, yes. Because that is actually something... That is a big part of this. Oh, you did. I loved this. I love the end of this. You don't love the end of this? Um, The ending is one of my biggest pet peeves about this movie. Really? Yeah. Okay, why do you not like... Well, should we just tell you what the ending is? (laughs) Yeah, so again, we haven't really spoiled anything for you at this point. I am going to say... I'm going to save my review for the end. I do recommend you watch this. Aside from the Denis Villeneuve, it is an entertaining film. 
It is fascinating. My wife hadn't seen this before and we watched it and she's just, and she watched it and when she got to the end, she was just like, that was really good because she, it, she said it took me in places I didn't expect it to go. Mm-hmm. So I do recommend you watch it. But if that's the case, you got to turn this off right now. And go watch it. Yeah. So can I give you a second? Uh, You can find it on, where did I watch this? Netflix. Oh, on Netflix. Yeah. You can watch it on Netflix. Go put the subtitles on. Relax. You know how to read. Come back. Yeah. Come back to this. Hey, welcome back. Hey, welcome back, everyone. (laughs) Now that you have seen it, we can talk about what happens at the end. Yes. Mita, do you want to go into it? I was like, oh, I think I'm just like too excited to. You you explain it. (laughs) Okay. So we... What ends up happening is the t- they're twins, the brother and his sister. The sister yeah. goes off, she goes to the Middle East in an unnamed Middle Eastern country to find the father. And eventually she realizes that there's a connection that the father might have to the brother. And so she gets her brother to come out to the Middle East and the brother goes to find, sorry, the brother goes to find their long lost brother. Mm-hmm. You realize that the mother had a child with a lover uh, that was a refugee. There's a lot of like politics about Christians and Muslims in the Middle East. There's a lot of that stuff going on. So the yeah. mother essentially had a lover with a, a Muslim refugee. She got pregnant. He was murdered. The baby was given up for adoption. Her journey throughout the movie is actually to go find this baby. And this baby was tattooed when it was born with three dots on its uh, right ankle. And so the entire movie, you're kind of shown this kid as a baby, as like a child, as an adult, but you don't ever see the face. So you're kind of wondering where this kid is. Eventually... Things kind of happen. This woman turns into a... She's Christian, but she uh, is against the nationalist side, which is Christian in this case. And she becomes... She starts to fight, essentially, for the Muslim side. She assassinates the Christian's leader. This is like an oversimplification of this. Mm -hmm. She assassinates the Christian's leader. She's put into jail. She's raped by someone in jail as a method of torture, sexual violence. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then she kind of... Her life... And she is impregnated with the twins that she has in jail by this man who raped her. Yes. When we get to the end, we find out the man who raped her was her son. And so we make the connection that the child that she gave up for adoption was the man who raped her and impregnated her with her two current kids. It is a revelation in in the movie. You really are not expecting it. It really comes out of nowhere. The, The way this is revealed, though, the male twin, Simon... Is the first person to learn. And you as the viewer kind of understand. You're kind of getting there. Yeah. You're getting there, but you're like, you're not sure. And then he says this very vague sentence Mm -hmm. to his twin sister. And she gets it. She gets it right away. (laughs) And she literally, I'm going to recreate the moment. She goes, (gasps) her gasp is like, you feel it. I'm like, I just got shivers thinking about her doing that right now. Yeah. Yeah. And she gets it. And you as a viewer are still like, wait, do I get this? Am I on the right page here? What's happening? And then they slowly reveal that. So they find out that their brother, father. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. That was good, Mita. Their brother, father migrated to Canada, which they also live in Canada as well. And they throughout the movie were seeing this moment in their history with their mother where they're at some public pool and they're swimming. And then we see that in this moment, the mother sees her son, baby daddy. I don't know if I like that. (laughs) Sees her son's baby daddy and recognizes him as both, well, oh no, wait. Sees her son, baby daddy in Canada and kind of freaks out. Yeah, she's in the pool and she she sees the tattoo. 
So she recognizes him as her son. And then when she goes to see his face, she recognizes him as her rapist. But, okay, now this is where I'm confused. And maybe it's just I read the subtitles incorrectly. (laughs) Because at the end of the film, the twins, they realize that this person is both their father and their brother. And Uh so now they need to deliver these letters that their mother had written to them to deliver to their father and or their brother. Yeah. And the letter to, you know, the brother says, I searched for you your whole life. I love you. Like, I, you know, I'm so sorry of all these things that happened to you. The letter to the father is, I hate you. You're a terrible, despicable human being. How could you Uh do this to me? But in one of the letters, does she not write out how she recognized his tattoo? I thought she meant she recognized it from when she was being raped. No. So she, I thought she knew. She mentioned it because he. the order he reads them in is as, she reads it as, to the father of my children, to my son. Yeah. And so she talks about the tattoo. That's how she says, this is how I knew you were you because of the tattoo. Okay, I misunderstood it. Yeah. Okay. It also happens in like short succession. He reads them one after the other. So it's easy yeah. to mix them up. Okay, so she recognizes that to the tattoo when they're at the pool. Mm-hmm. And that's when she realized that the father of her children was her rapist or what is her son. son yeah and then she has a stroke and that's what kills her yes yeah so it's a lot we just spent like 10 minutes having to like dissect this and talk about it because it is a moment in this film mm-hmm. it is really like a you don't you can't predict this until that very end moment where he's talking and you're like is that what is we're getting to but mm-hmm. otherwise you're not like it's a real twist it feels like a real genuine like her gasp is your gasp. It literally is. And then I was like, wait, but wait, is my gasp, like, do I get it? Am I getting this? Am I understanding? Because this also is in a foreign language. And so yeah. I'm just like, am I really? Or am I just lost in the translation here yeah. of what's happening? And I just think that it is such a, it's such a soap opera ending, like, yes. to have that kind of reveal. But I feel like he does it so well mm-hmm. and it's in a, in a soap opera it's not usually plausible but in this situation <laughs> in a soap opera it's meant for the ratings right yeah but in this May film sweeps. yeah it's for sweeps you know gotta get them numbers in susan lucci needs an emmy yeah um, finally <laughs> congrats susan so many years ago so many years uh ago. but in this film I didn't feel as though it was cheesy and I felt like based on what this story is, because there are prisons in which people are tortured and raped and this child specifically had grown up to follow in line to be this sort of torturer. It made sense to me. It was like, oh, like that actually could happen. This doesn't feel like sort of this like cheesy kind of twist ending. And I... Did not expect it because I will say up until that gasp, I didn't know where I was standing with this movie because I felt like this is a really slow burn to get to <laughs> And it burn. is. It's an extremely slow burn. I'm like, is this is the payoff of this going to be rewarding? Am I going to find out who the father is? Am I going to find out who the brother is? When is this going to happen? And then you're am like, I going oh, to care? Am I going to care? Yeah. Is it just going to be some guy, you know, who's been working at the yeah. convenience store yes. across the street from them all these years later? And it is a rewarding payoff. Yeah. It is a twist that you do not see coming. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed it. But I want to know why you didn't. So it's interesting because everything you're saying, I actually totally agree with. I think it is a very rewarding twist. You, do, you don't see it coming, especially because 
incest in general, when it's used, it can be very cheesy and mm-hmm. it can be very kind of gimmicky. And mm-hmm. so like you're saying, I think the way Denis directs this and the way he makes it feel, it feels extremely authentic. It is a very slow burn and it is it is totally worth it when you get there. That yeah. her and like her reaction is also so amazing that like what could have been like a big moment and her like her realization of what he's saying is it's it it encapsulates how the audience is like feeling at the same time so it's the shock it's the awe and it's the heartbreak yes all of it at once and like that realization of like you kind of understand like what might what what might these two adults be experiencing right now to have that realization yeah that is all direction though that is 100 percent denis villeneuve Mm -hmm. because that twist is so effing cheesy (laughs) <laughs> it's so cheesy and so coincidental it, there's so many coincidences that gotta line up to make that work that like this woman gave up this kid in the middle of a freaking village in the middle east somewhere and somehow found his way back to her to rape her fine someone rapes her but it had to be him and then they meet up in in canada in quebec and she like there's the, the alignment of things is so ridiculous from a screenwriting perspective, but Denis makes it work. He does. And he that's does it really what well. he does it really well. Mm-hmm. When I extrapolate this as a screenplay and I look at it, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, who's going to believe this or who's going to buy this? If I was sitting here writing that, I would have been so incredulous of myself to be like, no one's ever going to believe this. One of I the, bought it. <laughs> no, I buy it too. I recommended this movie. This is the fourth yeah. time I've seen this movie. I remember when I have had a script reviewed by like outsider professionals. And this was a script I wrote. And I always remember this line. It says, every movie gets one coincidence. Hmm. You get one coincidence in your movie that doesn't allow it to take you out of it. Everyone gets Because a coincidence can be that if it's a coincidence. Yeah. But the moment you have too many coincidences, it starts to feel... Like writing. It's too many, yeah. It's too many. And the fact is, this is too many coincidences. What are the too many... Co- oh, like, oh, okay. But I, I as a viewer, am seeing it as one big coincidence, not... Because that's how it's revealed. It's yes, revealed exactly. It's one big coincidence in the end. And... But that's also leaning towards the screenplay itself. Because if it was too many coincidences, we would see this kid, like... We would have seen him as the torturer and we would have known beforehand. We would have followed him along as on his journey as well and seen him rape and torture his mother and not have Yeah, that there would have been more dramatic irony about it for sure. Yeah. But still, I still feel like when I talk about this movie and when I think about it, I, and there's also other elements about the screenplay, I get not naming the Middle Eastern country. It's because Lebanon, guys. It's Lebanon. It obvi- it's obviously Lebanon, but they, they go to extreme lengths not to lay- name it. And that's mm-hmm. so distracting. Because the whole movie, I'm wondering, what, what country are we in? Because, and you you know, because of the like Christian-Muslim divide, it has to be Lebanon. But like, why aren't they just saying it? Also, like the Lebanese population in Quebec, Montreal is huge. So it, again, it must be them. Second of all, these two kids are so white. This, she's Middle Eastern, and they're supposed to be ethnic. They're supposed to be full-blooded Arab, like, adults. They're white. Do you feel like that is something that would get him canceled today? 
I don't know. I know you love that. that you know I love that term. Yep. Because <laughs> this also this came out in 2010. Yeah. So this is, you know, it's over 10 years old. Do you yeah. feel like if this was made, to, I hate that. If this was made today. Yeah, 10 years what later. Do you, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree with you with that. I think it is a little distracting, especially because um, the male twin in this film is also in Polytechnique. And yeah. He's the killer. He's the killer. <laughs> he's the killer in Polytechnique. And like I was like, wait, they're supposed to be loving it. Because while I'm watching it, I'm thinking, oh, the father is probably because we don't know who their father is. We just know that she had a third child. Yes, exactly. And so I was thinking, oh, maybe it's just like this white man. Some French Canadian white man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when are we going to get to that part of her journey? And then when you realize like, no, it's their brother, like, then shouldn't they also kind of look like their brother? And neither one of them does. Yeah. Yeah. And like. Shouldn't they also look Middle Eastern? Yeah. Well, I also understand from like a casting perspective, they're trying to mislead the audience. If they are specifically meant to look like Caucasian adults, because if they look Arab, your head is going to go in that direction. But their mother is Arab. But they don't look mixed race. She could be. They don't really look Arab. (laughs) No, they don't. Not at all. Jean could be a little bit. Simone just looks French Canadian. Yeah. But Jean and we spend more time with Jean. More. We spend more time with Jean. Yeah. But my whole point is, is that I like the time we spend with Jean. <laughs> <laughs> with Jean or Simon? With you spend Jean. A, you spend a lot I, of time I, with Jean. I re- relate with Simon more in this film. I get him. I get why he's pissed. <laughs> I think my whole thing, and the reason I recommend this, is because this is an example of a director who just knows what he's doing. I have seen this movie a few times, and that scene on the bus in the desert is so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. You see, like it, and you know what's happening. It's so masterfully directed. It's so hard to watch. He builds tension like no other director I can th- talk about. Tension and palpability and anxiety. He builds it so well, so 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 well. And he does it in a way that's not jarring for people no no like there's a world of difference like i while i didn't really empathize with any of these characters and i couldn't go through the motions with them per se i could still sit there and watch this unlike nh10 where i was just like (laughs) i am like crawling out of my skin right now he has such like a nice like subtle approach to everything where you feel like you're you're sitting in that bus with her and you're experiencing these things along with them. And I don't how does he do it, Nadine? I don't know. He's really Should we good. Ask him? I really want to. He is a director I would really like to like. He also just seems like when you see him in, in interviews, there's no pretension about him. There's mm-hmm. no like he's, he's not so fl- nice. He's so nice. He's so Canadian. It's just mm-hmm. it's very he just seems like someone who's so in control of what he does and knows that, but is not conceded like someone like quentin tarantino like there's no there's no arrogance about his filmmaking and like you you haven't seen sicario and you won't because it's a drug movie but one thing i also really like about denis villeneuve is none of his movies are gratuitous there is violence and there's sex in all of them but never never to shock and awe and that's what i was gonna say is like the the difference between someone like Quentin Tarantino and yeah. him is Quentin is like looking to to provoke that yeah. out of an audience and like he goes for it and I don't quite 
need that in my life. Like you can calm down, Quentin. But Denis has just sort of a relaxed everyday approach to everything. And I think he can really recognize like what in regular life is going to provoke people. And it's not, you know, blood and gore and drama. It's just. But it is drama. It's just that he knows how to write that. He knows how to direct that drama. Sorry. But it's not like shock and awe. I no, guess is what I, no, it isn't. Yeah. There's a real level of sophistication in his filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It's sophisticated and it's adult without ever being pretentious. Because, like, if you think of Arrival too, yeah, it's not a regular concept. Like, that's not what's happening. But it's so, and I don't love this term, but it's so relatable. I don't like the word relatable. Yeah, but but I, his films are relatable. Relatable, yeah. And I think that's another reason why Anson Jean General works is because he takes, I remember also like, I saw this with a friend who was like, we should go see this movie. It's supposed to be good. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to see a French Canadian movie because Danny Villeneuve was a one at the time. And we mm-hmm. went and saw it and I realized this is, it's such a good mystery. Yeah. It's such a good mystery to watch. And it unravels with such a like authenticity and it really, it really does take its time and it is a slow burn, but the confidence with which that it burns out is so strong because it's almost it's kind like, of like a wink. It's just like a gotcha. It's like a <laughs> sit there, sit there, because in two hours you're going to be gasping just as much as this main actress is. Yeah. Oh, Denis. Oh, Denis. Oh, Denis. Do you have any sequel prequel ideas? I didn't even think. I just, it was such a, it was a really long weekend. <laughs> with two very watched, heavy movies. I watched Halloween Kills. Then I watched Insomnia. Oh, wow. I watched No Time to Die. And then I watched NH10. Oh. <laughs> it was like, it was a lot of up and, and downs for of, me. Yeah. So my imagination wasn't kind of, you know, in it. But I, I actually, to my point of like not being able to relate to these characters in a way, I would like to have seen some more scenes of like what their childhood with their mother was like and what that was like for her to know to bear these children that are the children of her attacker. Yeah, in general, that's never covered and like what yeah. she feels. I also think that this movie talks a lot about a lot of things, about like the casualties of war, for instance, mm-hmm. or like what our destiny is in like nature versus nurture. There's a lot of like themes kind of dug in. Yeah. But none of them really come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Like there really isn't a lot of that. And like it's interesting because when you think back to the movie, in the very beginning, Simon talks about how weird his mother was essentially. Yeah. And that like when they find out this is how she wants to be buried and like naked with no wrapping and no tombstone and like a, a laundry list of weird things. He's just like, well, she died the way she lived. Yeah. But like. Now you we understand. don't know that. We don't know what that is. We don't know that's what that's what is. really bugs me about this movie. Yeah, and that's and I completely understand that. Is that like this woman who lived this kind of tortured tortured life for so long? Mm-hmm. I feel like we follow her to this point where she finally is able to escape the Middle East to come to Canada. But what did that life look like when she found her twins? When she moved here, and like you're saying, that she had to raise the two kids. And uh, by the way. She was raped multiple times by this man. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It was like, it it was how they tortured her. So to constantly be forced to see that and constantly be forced to live with that, what does that look like? Also, how much shit does one person go through in their life? That's sort of also what's like unbelievable about this. Yeah. But I actually do think that this does happen to people, so. 
I don't know if I can say that's unbelievable. So does NH10. I didn't say NH10 was not unbelievable. <laughs> I said it was too believable. Too believable, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. I think that's the other thing is that like when it's you tone. live... I don't know, is it? This has no levity like you said either. It has no levity, but there... It, again, it's how he directs things. There's just like subtlety to it of like mm-hmm. you're understanding... You're watching a story play out. NH10, I didn't feel like I was being told mm-hmm. a story. It was more just like action after action after action after action, torture mm-hmm. after torture after torture. This girl's never getting out of this situation. Yeah. And I was just like, this is too much. I need, you need to break this down a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would have been a perfect opportunity for a song and dance. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, isn't this a Bollywood movie? Yeah. <laughs> I oh. did. <laughs> but yeah, no, we're not here to talk about NH10. We are here no. to talk about Anson D now, but yes. I think it's time for ratings. Okay, go for it. Yeah, I have very mixed feelings about Anson D. And the reason I, I, I selected it is not because I think it's an amazing movie. It's mm-hmm. largely because I think this is where we see, I think, Denis Villeneuve actually at his strongest. Because you see what he can do with a weak screenplay. Okay. I think the screenplay for Ansandi is quite weak. And I think when someone read this, it probably it probably felt jarring. It probably felt like, what is this woman? What, like, whose life is like this? That, like, it's just torture after torture after torture. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the coincidences of this end. There's a lot. There's just so much to kind of go through. So much unbelievability when you're reading it on the paper that when Denny takes it and he puts it onto the screen, you're like, yes, this could have been someone's life absolutely that this man who raped you 20 years ago was the son you abandoned and now you're gonna find him right before you die like it just it all somehow feels real and it feels plausible in his hands and that i think is it's a real testament this movie at the end of the day despite the screenplay actually being quite weak it's a very interesting movie to watch it is a very arresting film it demands your attention and it does so with a lot of grace which I don't think a lot of movies have. Movies, mm-hmm. generally speaking, are not graceful. And they're not meant to be graceful. They're meant to, you know, come out of the screen and grab you by the neck. But Insanzi is a very, very graceful film. It's not in your face. It's not gaudy. It's not pushy. It's none of those things. It's quiet. It's dignified. And despite being weak in the writing department, it is st- so strong in the direction that it actually makes up for a lot of the shortcomings. And you can see that time and again with his work, that even when the writing isn't great, even when the writing lacks things, this man knows what he's doing and he knows how to take something and turn it into something else. Prisoners is an example. All of these movies are examples of, of on paper, they are probably all right, and he makes them something better. And so this is a movie to watch to understand Denis Villeneuve, understand how great he is, but also to watch because it is it is a solid mystery. And if you were a fan of a mystery, and if you're a fan of like trying to guess and trying to figure out what's going on, it really is it really is worth worth that. So for all those things, and because Denis is my boy, this also gets four stars. Four for Nazim. Should I include NH10 on this list? I would like to, honestly. Okay. I would like to include Anishan and I would like to keep it um, for our Demita Awards at the end of the year. I can't name our episode, this episode by that, but I do, I want to include it as a bonus. A bonus. Okay. NH10. What did you give NH10 again? Also four. Four and I gave it two and a half. Okay. Yeah. 
Alrighty. Also, I okay. love how when this movie came out, people are calling it Incendies. Incendies? Yeah, Incendies. Incendies. Well, Incendies. Let's go for it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me, Meats. It's interesting to me that you said that this is a good mystery because I wouldn't actually put it into that category. Okay. Because I think the ending, it's like you said, you said something in Chinatown and now I can't remember what it was. But you said something, or maybe it was when we... I say this a lot, actually. It was not unpredictable. It was unexpected, but predictable. No, that's not what I was thinking. No? Or maybe when it was like when we were talking about whodunits. Mm -hmm. What did you say about whodunits once? Do you remember? (laughs) That's really the thing I say about whodunits, is that it should be... Because that's that's a thing. It should be unexpected, but predictable. Like I said, it oh, about no, Mayor of Easttown. It's not a who done it; it's a how done it. How done it? Yes. How done it? Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Okay, we got there. <laughs> yeah. So Nadim once said, <laughs> "When it comes to a who done it, or in this case, a who is it, it's not about a who is it, but how? How did yeah. this happen?" And so this is a really slow burn, mm-hmm. and the reward, in my opinion, is worth it. But I don't, as an audience member. It kind of a letdown when the shock is so much of a surprise that you were never going to get there yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I could have gotten there myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wouldn't necessarily say it's a good mystery, but the reward is worth it. Because to have that lead up to something so shocking, when you walk away as a viewer, you're just taken aback from it. And that's a really great feeling to have in a film. And I love having that sort of like rumble in my tumble of like, what did I just watch? Mm-hmm. I, I'm blown away by this. This is crazy. And then you start thinking about all the logistics. and Yeah. And then it <laughs> yeah. kind of starts to fall apart. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I did find, think you love this film because you noticed that this script really was lacking and that Mm -hmm. Denis was able to do things to it to really uplift it and to create something much greater than the script itself and i I just want to get i'm just going to say one thing i Mm -hmm. also do recognize my love for Denis villeneuve does i think mask overshadow overshadow (laughs) this movie a little bit i love him and i can see i can see his film power in this movie and so i think i let that take over me yeah for me the things that really left me not so excited Mm -hmm. were those issues with the script Mm -hmm. and you know it's this idea that we're following along these twins as they're learning about their mother's journey but we don't really we just learned what happened to the mother we don't learn anything about the mother herself like we're Mm -hmm. not given sort of glimpses of like maybe she is just a very warm-hearted human being and like will like any sort of small instance of like something from their childhood would have been nice to put in there mm-hmm. so that you have an idea of who is this person that we're following along? Why should I care about what is happening to mm-hmm. her? And I think those are really missing from the screenplay. And even though the ending is is worth it, I think it would have even had such a bigger impact if we had known those things. And I mm-hmm. think there are definitely some holes in this. And you're right. He is able to patch up those holes with his direction and, and he's able to move the story along um, in a way that is very captivating and entertaining. But what I will say is that I could, when I watched this, I was like, I can tell this is like one of his earlier films. And yes. a part of that, it could be, you know, budget and things like that, because that's a given. But it's when a Canadian I look at, movie. It's a Canadian movie, too. Yeah. That's fair. When I look at something like this and even looking at something like Enemy, there's a world of difference between mm-hmm. those two films. And you can 
you know, you've said it before. He has not had a bad film. And I agree with you on that sentiment. He's always making just very good things. But you can see the growth in just those two. Wait, did Enemy become before this? No, after. Enemy and Prisoners were around the same time. Okay. 2012? Something like that. After I was married. 2012 or 13. Enemy is... 2013. Okay. I was on the right page. They're both 2013. At something like Enemy, he's grown so much as a director. Mm -hmm. And as I said in the beginning, I'm looking for those, like, just those... it, It doesn't have to be, like, a whole scene of humor. Just something... Something light. Because there is a lot of melancholy in his movies. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of sorrow. There's a lot of drama. And he is usually really good at just sprinkling something in there that kind of uplifts. It's something to look for. And something to like look forward to. Yeah, exactly. And so for this, I'm going to give it three. I can't do 0.25, can I? I'm trying to debate between three and three and a half. You got to pick a side. I'm going to go with three and a half. Seven feels good. Seven feels good. A solid seven. I think that's good. I would recommend watching this. I think it's really interesting. And I love that ending. (laughs) Like, I'm actually, like, living for it. And I want to watch it again. Because, you know, when a twist is good and you feel like you've earned it, it's nothing feels like it. It's true. Like, a good twist that you feel like you've earned it and you feel like you've sat through something and you're like, oh. I didn't say, like, it, uh, you like, people like being duped. They like being fooled into something and like buying into gotcha. that. Gotcha. You like being, gotcha. you like being, so, and he does yeah. that in this. The other thing I am going to say just before we move on, Denny is moving from, like, his scale is reflecting his career, essentially. Like, he's going from, he went from this Canadian film to this small American film, and, like, enemies kind of on the outside, to a sci-fi film, like, sorry, to a drama, I think, but Sicario to a sci-fi film, then to Blade Runner, and now he's doing a two-part science fiction, like, epic with Warner Brothers, and I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be, at worst, okay. Mm -hmm. I would like to see, with the skill that he's learned along the way, I want to see him go back to a small-scale drama and see what he would do with it. Oh, we should write him. Yeah. Ah, bonjour, Denis. (laughs) <laughs> you yeah. can write the rest of the letter yeah, exactly that's it i actually have written a film that i would love for him to direct but it's, let's I know send that's it never to him but yeah and there's there's that there's that i'm putting that out into the universe yep i've made a film i'm canadian he's canadian there we go seven and a half is our total for insomni excellent there we how go how about that also wait um, so we did do technically two reviews. Yeah. If I had to choose which one you, if someone like gun to my head and I had to suggest a movie to somebody tomorrow, mm-hmm. I would say watch Insomni over, over NH10. NH10? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's very evident based on how you felt about <laughs> NH10. The fact that you said, I would not tell people to watch this. Mm, yeah. But I think, that, would you- again, I think that is running endorsement in and of itself. No. <laughs> No, I, I, so this is, I think, where we just, where we differ so strongly is that yeah. I think a strong emotional reaction, you didn't hate NH10. You didn't dislike it because it was like a bad film. You just thought it hit too close to home. It almost accomplished what it set out to do too well. And it wasn't what you were looking for. I don't know when I want to feel those feelings, though. There's not a day in my life where I'm like, I'm going to turn on the news. I don't watch the news. And that's just me as a human. Have you ever seen something like Dancer in the Dark? No. 
Are it's, you gonna make me watch something else terrible? No, it's just it's by <laughs> Lars Frontier and it's it's the one with Bjork. Oh no, I haven't seen it. It's a dour movie, man. And I just I find that there's a place I'm never like craving a sad movie, and I'm never craving a depressing movie or something anxiety inducing like NH10. Mm-hmm. But when I watch them, I I feel enriched by the experience because movies are meant to make you elicit emotion. And if that emotion is so strong that it's like, I can't watch this because it's making me viscerally uncomfortable, there is success in that. I think when it comes to watching something like macabre, I need some surrealism. But this isn't, but action isn't, you know, macabre. Or something. Because it's not meant to be like that, that emotion in and of itself is a little dramatic. NH10 is like anxiety. It is like real life anxiety. Yeah, I don't need that in my life. And that's fair. Yeah, but I find that I just think that's successful, and I think honestly between the two of them, I think, and I think Ansanji is a real like that twist at the end is great. It's a real dramatic film. I just think you'll never you're never going to see something like NH10, and I don't. Th- Here's the thing: the West can never make a movie like NH10. I think they could make one. I don't think audiences would be receptive to it. Were audiences in India receptive? This was not a huge hit, but it it made money. India's dark, man. <laughs> <laughs> because this is actually, like, one thing I actually wanted to mention and I forgot is that this is, I think, the style of movie that, Ty- not Tyler Perry, that Jordan Peele on issues wants, uh, to, wants do. to do about issues happening North to America black. America can't handle Can't that. handle it. Because, and I think he knows that. Yeah. And I think he got a, like, Get Out's whole function was to be so on the nose but I think he, I, I think Jordan Peele has the content to do an NH10 in America with the issues happening with black people. But I don't think the people here could handle it. No. And I think. But India, imagine that. India has, India as a nation understands and has, for whatever reason, accepted that this is what rural places is like. And I think this does exist in North America in a different way. I don't think it's as um, severe, but I, I think it does exist. And I don't, and North America can't, does not accept that. And like, can't be truthful to itself to say like this, these things do happen. Anytime you hear about something like this on the news, it's just like, oh, it was unbelievable. Like who would have thought we never would have imagined something like this could happen here, but it does happen. Because imagine Imagine the tone of NH10 with the, and it talks about the issues black people are facing in America right now. Yeah. Imagine how like, effective, imagine, but imagine how effective that would be. Imagine how effective that would be. About the police brutality yes. in the southern United yes. States and North America could not handle that. But maybe they need to. Maybe that movie needs to come out because imagine how effective that would be. North America is too privileged to say about him. Yeah. <laughs> I say this as a North American. Mita, yeah. I feel like you're going to take us to a lighter place now. <laughs> That's my guess. That's my... Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I think Nadim really hankered it down with the the two really heavy movies. So, Mita, yeah. I think it's time to play. Different characters. Same, same world. world. Talk to me. Okay. So for my my two movies of November, they go together, but I didn't want to do them as a double feature. Okay. 
And one is more lighthearted and one is is more is a drama. Okay. And I'm going to do the lighthearted one because Shocker. I need it. <laughs> because I also think I'm going to go see Dune. And I yeah, think Dune will, is going to be really like heavy, heavy too. So we need some levity. There we go. <laughs> if you will. So <clears throat> these are all. Actually, you know what? Wait. Before we start, I want to explain different characters, same world again, because I've heard comments of people like hearing us play this game, but they're like, wait, what's this game? I feel like we should probably explain it beforehand every time. Yes. So different characters, same world is how we reveal what film we will be watching in the next coming week. Um, And so the way it works is it's my pick next week. So I am going to name some characters that actors in the film we are going to watch have played before. And then it is three characters that I will give to Nadim. And based on those character names, he needs to figure out who those actors are and what is the film that we are watching next week. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. Yeah. Okay. One day we'll come up with something like concise, how to explain yeah. it, and then we'll... we'll. I think you have to play in. the game to kind of understand it. It's kind of a, <laughs> unfortunately so. a part of it. There we go. Well, it's still a fun game for us. Okay. Okay. So Nadim, mm-hmm. your character names. Okay. Are you ready? I am. Okay. Marilyn Monroe. Okay. Mel Horowitz. Okay. And Amy March. Okay. And your timer starts now. Is Marilyn Monroe Michelle Williams? Yes. Okay. Is Amy March? Yeah. Florence Pugh? No. So it's the other one. I don't don't know who played it in the Winona Ryder. Well, there were two actresses in the Winona Ryder one. I gave you a really big hint there. Is it Claire Danes? No. What's Claire Danes? She was Beth. (laughs) Okay. I honestly don't. I've never seen the Winona Ryder one. You don't know Little Women. Mel Horowitz. Yeah. 30 seconds. Oh, is that the actor who played her father in Clueless? Yes. Oh, God. I'm watching a Michelle Williams movie. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't remember... 15 seconds Shoot. left. You're going to have to give me whoever played Amy. Well, not until the timer's up. I know, but I think, and then we'll <laughs> go from there. I might be able to figure it out, but I don't, I know, at least Three, I know my reference points, but two, I don't know them. Anyways, you're going to have to One. Yeah. Okay. So Amy March mm-hmm. is Kirsten Dunst in the 1994 Little Women. Okay. Kirsten yeah. Dunst, she, Michelle so Williams. In, Kirsten Dunst, Michelle Williams. Think okay. about that. Could do you, have any and give me give me Mel Horowitz. Mel Horowitz is played by Dan Hedaya. Okay, that's not helpful. Oh, I don't know. I will give you another character. Sure. Ricky Bobby. Will Ferrell. Yeah. Will Ferrell, Christian mm-hmm. Dunst, and Michelle Williams. Yeah. It's not a really well known film, but yeah. it's a, yeah. I think you're gonna have to tell me. It's Dick. Oh. <laughs> All right, KKK, yeah. and I feel so. I'm watching some Richard Nixon movie then later on yeah. as well. Okay, we're learning about Tricky Dick. <laughs> Am I watching Nixon for the next one? No. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, Dick it yeah. is. Dick. Dick. <laughs> it's just fun to say. When too. am I watching it? Where am I watching it? Amy? <laughs> Where? Um, we're gonna have to rent this. Okay, one. that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I'm actually really excited. This is significantly lighter than both Asante and NH10. Significantly lighter. You'll find out why I picked it next week. Yes. Um, 
but yeah, it's a big part of my childhood. So okay, there we go. Well, I look forward to that conversation then. There we go. But until then, Mita, do you have any parting words for us? I do. Death is never the end of the story. How ominous does that sound? I mean, it, it makes sense, though. Yeah, it's true as well. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for some dick. <laughs> I'm glad I threw that in there. Have there a lovely we week, friends. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. <laughs>